Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I am the host of Fides Podcast. Who am I? I'm just a guy interested in speaking the truth. What does Fides mean? I'm sure that that's what you were thinking. Fides is Latin for faith, belief, and truth. In this crazy world we live in, I wanted to bring some more truth-telling and education to those willing to listen. I want to discuss and debate those that have different beliefs so that we can understand each other and all of you can hear two perspectives. But there is only one truth, only one fides, and that is what you will find. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to Fides Podcast. You can reach me if you want to communicate uh, at Fides at, uh, I'm sorry, Jerry at FidesPodcast.com. That's Jerry at FidesPodcast.com. This is uh, Fides Podcast episode 15, and ironically, our topic today is on Kamala Harris, who uh, ironically, as I'm recording, is I'm sure preparing and getting ready for the debate uh, with Vice President um, Mike Pence uh, in shortly. So, uh, I'm real excited and happy to have uh, my guest today, uh, Sharon Fair, who is, um, if I can just kind of describe, you know, what she's doing and what she does is uh, she has a deep passion for the unborn and has volunteered with the Cleveland Right to Life since 2015. She has an MA in Russian language and literature and has taught adult learning for several years. Her skills in writing and research have been used by the organization to further the cause of Cleveland Right to Life. Molly Smith told me that uh, she uh, figures something uh, she wants researched and hands it to Sharon, and Sharon goes away and does a great job. So So welcome, welcome, Sharon. Hey, thank you, Jerry, for having me tonight. Great, my pleasure. So um, what what caught my eye was I I, I get the emails periodically from Cleveland Right to Life, and uh, you have a put forward a two-part uh, our two-part uh, series, I guess, on Kamala Harris. And, you know, there's not a lot known about Kamala Harris, to be honest. Uh, and uh, But you specifically focused on her, her pro-abortion stance and her history. And so I want to go through the two, uh, the two parts, the two articles, and uh, just start and ask you about the first part, which is, I think, most concerning. And that is her role as um, Attorney General of California and her role in going after the Center for Medical Progress. Can you explain that and explain what she did and uh, to the listeners? Sure. So um, Kamala Harris, um, well, let me just say she's in pretty tight with NARAL, which is the pro-choice organization, and Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. They've both funded her and both support her. They've given her 100% ratings. So David Delayden came out and... Um, he did some undercover video recordings um, with members of Planned Parenthood, the executives, and um, he shared those videos. They were talking about the sale of uh, human fetus uh, body parts. And um, so uh, Kamala Harris, Harris got wind of this. Um, she had met with some executives of Planned Parenthood, and they decided right then and there they were going to go after him. Um, they raided his home. 
um, in uh, defiance of the shield law they took everything from his home including unpublished materials mm-hmm. um, and then they also um, uh, they set him up they used a a law it's like a two-party law and and most journalists are I, I don't know if at one time or other they've been guilty of it but it's recording um, without permission and Kamala Harris went after David Daleiden and he was the first person ever to be prosecuted in the state of California with this law and later it was said it was because of his views and uh, what he did so yeah yeah so that that's that's great so just for a background for those that that may uh, not remember or not even know about uh, what had what had been done by David? He had done those under, undercover videos where he went to lunch uh, with uh, individuals from Planned Parenthood, and they were basically bargaining over price of, of various baby body parts, livers and and brains and things like that. And they were they were drinking wine and having appetizers as they were bargaining over that. It was illegal to do that. And yet David had his life essentially destroyed and attacked on a, based on a law that no one, as you said, has ever been prosecuted for, which is recording someone without their knowledge. Correct. Right. So, so um, um, that, that, that is pretty outrageous and, and, and very sad, you know, that their concern was him recording, hitting a record button and not the concern over people trading in dead baby body parts. Uh, so the other uh, portion of your first part, the first part of your article is the way uh, Kamala Harris had attacked um, an individual from the Knights of Columbus um, as he was uh, applying or, or, or uh, being approved for a position in government. And she had attacked him for being a Knights of Columbus. Can you, you know, describe that as well? Well, Sure. So this was a couple of years ago, and I hope I was, I'm saying his name right. It's Brian Buescher, and he's a uh, Nebraska federal court at the time of nominee. And I, I think this is kind of, like you said, we don't know much about Kamala, but uh, things come, come back to haunt us. So uh, this is kind of what's going on or or has gone on and probably will go on with Amy Coney Barrett uh, mm-hmm. being attacked for her Catholic faith. Um, as uh, as Feinstein did before um, with uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, so, uh, yeah, Brian Buescher is a member of the Knights of Columbus. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's a Catholic charitable fraternal organization. And sometimes you'll see the gentleman outside of the Catholic Church after Mass and, and they're selling raffle tickets or they're doing something so they can... Um, you know, better the community. So um, Kamala Harris, uh, she questioned his ability to act as a fair and impartial judge just because of his Catholic beliefs. So she asked him some pretty outrageous questions. She said, were you aware that the Knights of Columbus opposed a woman's right to choose when you joined that organization? And, you know, she asked him um, just some real pointed questions about abortion. Do you know that abortion... do you agree that abortion is the killing of the innocent on a massive scale? And she says, um, have you ever in any way assisted or contributed to the advocacy against women's productive rights? And, you know, being a Catholic, um, if you're a true Catholic, 
um, one of the main tenets is, you know, life begins at conception. It's um, a womb to tomb. So those questions were just kind of outrageous in today's day and age. It, it's almost insulting that a judge cannot um, make a decision, you know, based on laws rather than having his own beliefs come in into play. And I, I again, I think that's going to it's already being seen with Amy Coney Barrett that um, they're questioning her ability to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, it's, we're a country founded on religious freedom. It's the first amendment to have religious freedom and lots of religions have varying beliefs. It's, it would basically say that anyone with a religious belief uh, against abortion, you're not capable or allowed to, to be a judge or anywhere is, is essentially what they're saying. Um, and, and it actually kind of reminds me <clears throat> as well, you didn't write about this, um, it wasn't the topic, but um, the way she treated Brett Kavanaugh and, and the charges against him, which were, in my opinion, extremely unfounded and untrue, but she attacked him um, pretty significantly as well. It also reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, how, you know, it, the reality is, is that it's a double standard. You know, if Donald Trump had gotten in trouble in the, you know, in 2016 or so, when he criticized a Hispanic judge for saying they couldn't be impartial on the issue of an immigration issue. And he was destroyed, just absolutely destroyed for it. Um, based, you know, calling him racist, yet she can destroy a man who just simply was a part of a very charitable and good group. So, um, so just what I always like to point point out hypocrisies where they are so um onto your second uh, article which i'll definitely post and and some may have read it already hopefully they did uh the the our articles are titled pro-abortion uh, kamala harris part one and part two and um in part two uh you talk about a uh, codifying the the 1973 uh case of roe v wade which is what she tried can you explain that to, as well as well yeah, that was actually a little confusing to me when I looked at it because I'm not great with uh, with uh, court terms. But codifying, so when Roe versus Wade uh, was handed down in 1973, it was a judicial, it was from the Supreme Court, so it was a ju- judicial decision. So codifying it, in essence, means they would be taking it from the hands of the judges into Congress and actually making um, laws regarding it. So it's kind of a backup plan if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned, Mm -hmm. that it would be the law of the land to allow women unrestricted um, access to abortion. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's basically just taking, you know, making it a set settled law and no one can change it, uh, uh, you know, as well. So the other a couple other things that she, that she's been involved in is is uh, she co-sponsored bill uh, 1645 known as the the Women's Health Protection Act and um if you could explain that as well, that would be fantastic. Sure. So um this is in, uh, I guess, uh, defiance to Republicans who have done hundreds of things to make abortions more difficult to get. And um, some of these things that we see, um, and we see it in different states, um, sometimes there's a waiting period, sometimes there's a blockade outside of an abortion clinic, though 
abortion protesters are usually pretty peaceful and keep off to the side. Um, sometimes there's an ultrasound required or certain medications um, that have to be prescribed. And I know there was one case that um, required the abortion provider to have um, uh, rights at the hospital mm-hmm. nearby in case something would go wrong. So um, the Democrats didn't like this. So in Bill 1645 or the Women's Health Protection Act, it says it, it would allow women unrestricted access to abortion. So they called it um, uh, remove what pro-choice supporters consider to be burdensome or mm-hmm. difficult constraints. So those were some of the things that they wanted uh, to get rid of just to make it easier for women to to get abortions. Yeah, and, and it's really sad because those, you know, the restrictions that you had mentioned, such as a, a doctor having uh, privileges at a nearby hospital and, and waiting periods and things like that, are things that are that are very common for doctors of all types that do all types of surgery in case something goes wrong you need to have ability to go to a hospital and the like so these are very very simple and quite frankly logical things uh, two more areas that I want to hit with you is the is the next one is the Hyde Amendment um, you you we people have heard that I've heard it said a lot I mean I know what it is I suppose but I think a lot of people don't and what she wanted to do in regards to the Hyde Amendment right so the Hyde Amendment of 1976 Kamala wants to see this overturned and what the Hyde Amendment basically says it uh, it prohibits the use of federal funds to pay for an abortion except in an extreme case uh, such as rape or incest or when the mother's life is at risk um, during her presidential her can I say failed presidential yeah, yeah. run her her <laughs> debate she said um, that the Hyde Amendment has punished low-income women and women of color for too long she'd like to see the restriction of Medicaid so right now Medicaid cannot be used to fund an abortion she'd like to see that overturned and it's interesting when I've done some research for Molly um, with Cleveland right to life um, she talks about low-income women and women of color. If we look at it, that's where most of the abortion clinics are. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the um, African-American population in Ohio is about 14%. And if you look at women, it would probably be about 7% women. They are having over 40%. They're, they're right behind, um, as far as demographics, right behind the white women. So, you know, such a low percentage of women having so many abortions. So, you know, overturning the Hyde Amendment is going to make it even um, even more loss of life in the mm-hmm. community of, of the black community, which is really sad. It is sad. I, I've actually had a number of guests and I've talked about the issue of uh, black abortions and in, in the history of Planned Parenthood, for example, with Margaret Sanger. So it is really sad. I, I didn't know that statistic. Uh, 7%, there are 7% women in uh, in Cleveland, or did you say Ohio? Um, this is in Ohio. In Ohio only, yeah, and yet they make up 40% of the abortions in the black community that that is that is very sad the last area i want to hit and probably to me in a lot of ways is the the saddest is um her stance on the born alive act i mean we all know that 
Barack Obama voted against the Born Alive Act when he was a state senator or a U.S. senator, I believe, uh, in Illinois. Uh, we know we heard uh, a recording of the governor of Virginia talk about a baby being born alive, and, well, they have to decide what to do. Do they do they kill it or do they, they try to take care of it? And that's a decision that's made. So uh, the Born Alive Act was also something, if you want to, um, maybe just, you know, a couple minutes on that or anything you have to say about that. Sure. So the Born Alive Act um, was sponsored by a Republican senator, and um, it was a protection act in case a baby was born alive um, during an abortion. So there are two things to the Born Alive Protection Act. It was um, that that child from a failed abortion be given the same uh, degree of care as another child let's say at 25 weeks each mm-hmm. child would be given the same um, provided the same care and then um, a provision to immediately admit that child to the hospital um, that I was shocked because I, I just like that's just common sense that's just mm-hmm. uh, having a heart you know for uh, for but uh, yeah that bill failed to pass and one of the senators who voted against it was Kamala Harris but luckily our president um, just a couple of weeks ago signed an executive order mm-hmm. um, making this uh, law so we're we're uh, we're good no matter what she said against it uh, uh, she's been overruled by our president well, that is certainly good, and that's the uh, the importance of the presidency uh, to to have a president that's pro life and uh, on the same beliefs as us. And uh, on that on that note, I want to kind of end with uh, a couple a couple bits of information because this um, the podcast is called Fides Podcast, and Fides mean in Latin means truth. And all I'm I'm just letting people know the the facts and the truth about Kamala Harris, and uh, you can just you know people out there listening can decide. Um, although I know how I decide. But I think it's, it is important to note that Joe Biden recently said that if the Supreme Court were to take away the rights to abortion, he as president would make it law uh, if he could. And so that's important when we're going to the voting booth. I think it's important to know about Kamala Harris that, that in her short time in the U.S. Senate, she missed 26% of her votes. Uh, the typical miss missing of votes is about 2%. And she missed 26%, uh, basically started running for president almost as soon as she was there. She's also for health care for illegal immigrants. Uh, she compared uh, ICE, our immigration uh, uh, enforcement group, to the KKK. And, um, and she, uh, she introduced the Do Not Harm Act that would, that would have watered down the 1993 Religious Freedom Act, which would basically give uh, doctors, for example, who objected to certain things, uh, the freedom without prosecution to not uh, engage in those acts. So these are just simply things. These are facts. You can take anyone listening can take these facts as you want, uh, but it is important to know because there isn't a lot known about her. Um, I want to uh, finish with uh, the the last uh, paragraph of your your part two article. Uh, you quote Mother Teresa, and I think it's a great quote and a great way to finish. Mother Teresa said, it is a poverty to decide that a child must die so that you may live as you wish. I think that was a very, that's a very powerful uh, saying, and it really says a lot. And I want to thank you, Sharon, for all that you do 
um, all of your writings, all your work with the Cleveland Right to Life and, and your work for the cause of life in general. And um, you're always welcome uh, on my program, certainly, especially um, if you have another article uh, similar to these. Thank you so much for having me. It's really my pleasure to help out when um, I'm not a person to uh, stand and protest. I'm kind of a behind-the-scenes person, so I really like I like doing the research and kind of exposing things that people don't know about. Yes, I, I agree. Thank you so much for that. And, and our media does not do the job that they should to inform people and let people decide. And that's part of the reason why uh, I decided to do the podcast that I do. So I will definitely post the articles uh, online on, on my social media. And I encourage everyone to, to read them. They're very, very good. They get a little bit more detail, although... This, this this interview was very detailed and it was excellent, but any further information, uh, you can go to Cleveland Right to Life website and, uh, and look for more of Sharon's articles. So again, uh, Sharon Fair, uh, thank you so much for being here. Her articles are called Pro-Abortion Kamala Harris. There's a part one and part two. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you.